You are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I am reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, head on over to Facebook, and there you'll find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group and be able to share your own thoughts and insights into today's reflection. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example and holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 244, and we are reading from volume 3. Book 6, Chapter 16, Paragraphs 557 to 564. Chapter 16. Christ is dragged to the house of the priest Caiaphas, where he is falsely accused and asked whether he is the Son of God. St. Peter denies him for the second and third time what Most Holy Mary did on this occasion and other mysteries. 557. After Jesus had been thus insulted and struck in the house of Annas, he was sent, bound and fettered as he was, to the priest Caiaphas, the son-in-law of Annas, who in that year officiated as the prince and high priest with him, were gathered the scribes and distinguished men of the Jews, in order to urge the condemnation of the most innocent lamb. Matthew 26.57 the invincible patience and meekness of the Lord of all virtues, Psalm 23.10, astounded the demons, and they were filled with a confusion and fury so great as no words can describe. Since they could not penetrate into the interior of the sanctuary of his humanity, and since they noticed in the meekest Lord no inordinate movement, nor any sign of complaint, nor any sighing, nor the least attempt at human relief by which they are wont to search the hearts of other men, The dragon was in the utmost torment and surprised as at something altogether new and unheard of among weak and imperfect mortals. In his fury, he redoubled his efforts to irritate the scribes and servants and the priests against him and excite them to shower their abominable insults and affronts upon his devoted head. In all that the demon suggested to them, they showed themselves most eager, and they executed it as far as the divine will allowed. 558. The whole rabble of infernal spirits and merciless foes of Christ left the house of Annas and dragged our Lord and Savior through the streets to the house of Caiaphas, exercising upon him all the cruelty of their ignominious fury. The high priest and his attendants broke out in a loud derision and laughter. When they saw Jesus brought amid tumultuous noise into their presence and beheld him now, subject to their power and jurisdiction with the hope of escape, O mystery of the most exalted wisdom of heaven! O foolishness and ignorance of hell and blind stupidity of mortals! What a distance immeasurable do I see between the doings of the Most High and yours! 
at the very time when the King of Glory is the Lord of all virtues and mighty in battles, Psalm 23, 8, is vanquishing vice and death and all sin by the virtues of patience, humility, and charity. The world boasts of having overcome and subjected him to his arrogance and proud presumption. How different were the thoughts of Christ our Lord from those of the ministers of wickedness, the author of life offered up to the Eternal Father, the triumph which his meekness and humility won over sin. He prayed for the priests, the scribes, and servants, presenting his patience and sufferings as a compensation for the persecutions and excusing them on account of their ignorance. The same prayer and petition was sent up at the same time by his Blessed Mother, for her enemies and the enemies of her divine Son, thus following and imitating the Lord in all his doings. For as I have many times said, she saw all as if personally present. Between the actions of the Son and the Mother, there was a most sweet and wonderful harmony and correspondence most pleasing to the eyes of the Eternal Father. 559. The high priest Caiaphas, filled with a deadly envy and hatred against the master of life, was seated in the chair of state or throne. With him were Lucifer and all his demons who had come from the house of Annas. The scribes and Pharisees, like bloodthirsty wolves, surrounded the gentle lamb. All of them were full of the exultation of the envious, who see the object of their envy confounded and brought down. By common consent they sought for witnesses, whom they could bribe to bring false testimonies against Jesus our Savior. Matthew 26.59 Those that had been procured advanced to proffer their accusations and testimony, but their accusations neither agreed with each other, nor could any of their slander be made to apply to him, who of his very nature was innocence and holiness. Mark 25.56, Hebrews 7.26. In order not to be foiled, they brought two other false witnesses, who deposed that they had heard Jesus say he could destroy the temple of God made by the hands of men and build up another one in three days, not made by them. Mark 16.58. This testimony did not seem to be of much value, although they founded upon it the accusation that he arrogated to himself divine power. Even if this testimony had not been false in itself, the saying, if uttered by the Lord Almighty, would have been infallibly true, and could not have been presumptuous or false. But the testimony was false, since the Lord had not uttered these words in reference to the material temple of God, as the witness wished to inculcate at the time when he expelled the buyers and sellers from the temple, and when asked by what power he did it. He answered, Destroy this temple, that is, destroy this sacred humanity, and on the third day I shall restore it, which he certainly did at his resurrection in testimony of his divine power. 560. Our Savior Jesus answered not a word to all the calumnies and lies brought forward against his innocence, Caiaphas, provoked by the patient silence of the Lord, rose up in his seat and said to him, Why dost thou not answer to what so many witnesses testify against thee? But even to this the Lord made no response. For Caiaphas and the rest were not only indisposed to believe him, but they treacherously wished to make use of his answer in order to calumniate him and satisfy the people in their proceedings against the Galilean, so that they might not be thought to have condemned him to death without cause. This humble silence, which should have appeased the wicked priest, only infuriated him so much the more because it frustrated his evil purpose. 
Lucifer, who incited the high priest and all the rest, intently watched the conduct of the Savior. But the intention of the dragon was different from that of the high priest. He merely wanted to irritate the Lord or to hear some word by which he could ascertain whether he was the true God. 5.61 With this purpose, Satan stirred up Caiaphas to the highest pitch of rage, and to ask in great wrath and haughtiness, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us if thou be the Christ, the Son of God. This question of the high priest certainly convicted him at once of the deepest folly and of dreadful blasphemy. For if it was sincere, he had permitted Christ to be brought before his tribunal in doubt whether he had the true God or not, which would make him guilty of the most formidable and audacious crime. The doubt is such a matter should have been solved in quite another way, conformable to the demands of right reason and justice. Christ our Savior, hearing himself conjured by the living God, inwardly adored and reverenced the divinity, though appealed to by such sacrilegious lips. Out of reverence for the name of God, he therefore answered, Thou hast said, I am he. Nevertheless, I say to you hereafter, you shall see the Son of Man, who I am, sitting on the right hand of the power of God and coming in the clouds of heaven. Matthew twenty six sixty four. At this divine answer, the demons and the men were affected in different ways. Lucifer and his devils could not bear it, but immediately felt a superior force, which hurled them down into the abyss and oppressed them by the truth it contained. And they would not have dared to come again into the presence of Christ our Savior. If the divine providence had not been allowed them, to fall again into doubts whether this man Christ had really spoken the truth or had merely sought this means of freeing himself from the hands of the Jews. This uncertainty gave them new courage, and they came forth once more to the battlefield. The ultimate triumph over the demons was reserved to the cross itself, on which the Savior was to vanquish both them and death, as Zachary had prophesied, and as will appear later. 562 but the high priest, furious at the answer of the Lord, instead of looking upon it as a solution of his doubt, rose once more in his seat, and rending his garments as an outward manifestation of his zeal for the honor of God, loudly cried out, He hath blasphemed, what further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now you have heard the blasphemy, what think you? Matthew twenty six sixty five. The real blasphemy, however, consisted rather in these words of Caiaphas since he denied the certain fact that Christ was the Son of God by his very nature, and since he attributed to the divine personality sinfulness, which was directly repugnant to his very nature. Such was the folly of the wicked priest, who by his office should have recognized and proclaimed the universal truth. He made of himself an execrable blasphemer in maintaining that he, who his holiness itself had blasphemed, having previously, with satanical instinct, abused his high office in prophesying that the death of one man is better than the ruin of all the people. But now he was hindered by his sins from understanding his own prophecy. As the example and the opinions of princes and prelates powerfully stirs up the flattery and subserviency of inferiors, that whole gathering of wickedness was incensed at the Savior Jesus. All exclaimed in a loud voice, He is guilty of death! Matthew twenty six sixty six. Let him die, let him die. Roused by satanic fury, they all fell upon their most meek master and discharged upon him their wrath. 
Some of them struck him in the face, others kicked him, others tore out his hair, others spat upon his venerable countenance, others slapped or struck him in the neck, which was a treatment reserved among the Jews only for the most abject and vile of criminals. 563. Never among men were such outrageous and frightful insults heaped upon any one as were then heaped upon the Redeemer. St. Luke and St. Mark say that they covered his face, and then they struck him with their hands and fists, saying, Prophesy, prophesy to us! Who was it that struck thee? The reason for their doing this was the mysterious, namely, the joy with which our Savior suffered all these injuries and blasphemies, as I will soon relate, made his face shine forth in extraordinary beauty. And on this account, those ministers of wickedness were seized with unbearable consternation and shame. They sought to attribute it to sorcery and magic, and by a resolution befitting also, well, their unworthiness, they covered the face of the Lord with an unclean cloth, so that they might not be hindered and tormented by its divine light, inventing their diabolical wrath. All these affronts, reproaches, and insults were seen and felt by the Most Holy Mary, causing in her the same pains and wounds in the same parts of her body, and at the same time as inflicted upon the Lord." The only difference was that in our Lord the blows and torments were inflicted by the Jews themselves, while in his most pure mother they were caused by the Almighty in a miraculous manner and upon the request of the Lady. According to natural laws, the vehemence of her interior sorrow and anxiety would have put an end to her life, but she was strengthened by divine power, so as to be able to continue to suffer with her beloved Son and Lord. 564 the interior acts performed by the Savior under these barbarous and unheard-of persecutions cannot be fathomed by human reason or faculties. Mary alone understood them fully so as to be able to imitate them with the highest perfection. But as the Divine Master now experienced in his own person how necessary his sympathy would be for those who were to follow him and practice his doctrine, he exerted himself so much the more in procuring for them grace and blessings on this occasion— in which he was teaching them by his own example the narrow way of perfection. In the midst of these injuries and torments, and those which followed thereafter, the Lord established for his perfect and chosen souls the Beatitudes, which he had promised and proposed to them some time before. He looked upon the poor in spirit, who were to imitate him in this virtue, and said, Blessed are you in being stripped of the earthly goods, for by my passion and death I am to entail upon you the heavenly kingdom, as a secure and certain possession of voluntary poverty. Blessed are those who meekly suffer and bear adversities and tribulations, for besides the joy of having imitated me, they shall possess the land of the hearts and the good will of men through the peacefulness of their intercourse and the sweetness of their virtues. Blessed are they that weep, while they sow in tears, for in them they shall receive the bread of understanding and life, and they shall afterwards harvest the fruits of everlasting joy and bliss. This concludes our reading today for day number 244. We've been reading from Volume 3, Book 6, Chapter 16, Paragraphs 557 to 564. In his fury he redoubled his efforts to irritate the scribes and servants of the priests against him and excite them to shower their abominable insults and affronts upon his devoted head. His devoted head. There's a song that we sing during the Lenten season and during Holy Week, O Sacred Head Surrounded. And there are these busts of the head of Jesus crowned with thorns that 
often you might see maybe in a museum, but you'll see them in churches, you'll see them in people's homes. But a reminder of that sacred head so wounded. And that as we look at the head of the wounded Christ, as we look at his face, we see the face of God. A reminder to us that Christ, the Son of God, suffered on our account. The high priest Caiaphas, filled with a deadly envy and hatred against the master of life, was seated in his chair of state or throne. With him were Lucifer and all his demons who had come from the house of Annas. What an interesting observation here, that the demons travel from place to place. They go from home to home in this situation. And so be mindful. There can be this transference of evil spirits. Bring something home that's not of God, and you bring the evil spirits with you. Might seem crazy, but it's real, it's true. Talk to any exorcists. And so we see that in this case, how the evil one had convicted their hearts and souls that the evil just follows from place to place as this horrible act is enacted, but this act, which is our forgiveness, salvation, and redemption. So Caiaphas asks Jesus, who are you? And Jesus responds, thou hast said, I am he. Nevertheless, I say to you hereafter, you shall see the son of man who I am sitting on the right hand of the power of God and coming in the clouds of heaven. Well, that's a statement that we hear in our reading today that really speaks of the judgment. That as Caiaphas sits in judgment of Jesus and who Jesus is, he's responding saying, one day you will be judged, just as the goats and the lambs and the sheep will be separated. You will be judged. It's a frightful day for those who have persecuted Christ. I'm Father Edward Looney. And throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.